to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning and welcome into the podcast. Today is Tuesday, November the 9th. It's 2021. I'm Jay. Lots going on and a lot to talk about, although today's podcast is going to be a little bit shorter than normal. Um, well, maybe. Let me see how it works out, but I am in a bit of a time crunch. Um, as I said uh, in the last podcast, uh, I'm relocating and so trying to get things straightened out on that end. And uh, so kind of pressed for time today, but did want to get the podcast in. I want to start off the podcast with a story out of uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, firefighters there. And by the way, great department, a uh, bunch of good people up there. And, um, you know, it's, it's in that New England area. And from Massachusetts, New Hampshire, um, uh, Vermont, Maine, uh, all throughout there, it's a real, real tight-knit group. Um, the region supports each other in a remarkable way. And uh, But uh, Captain Steve, uh, uh, I think it's Day Rousseau. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure that's a Day Rousseau. Um, he, he suffered second and third degree burns over uh, 35 to 40% of his body uh, in a fire the other day. Um, and he was transported uh, down to Boston uh, to a Mass General Hospital there. And uh, he suffered the burns during a really fast-moving uh, fire uh, that occurred. And I uh, uh, just want to wish him well. Um, he, apparently, he's in good, good spirits. Um, and, uh, you know, his family and friends are there. And, and it's interesting, his family is being... Uh, taken care of by uh, uh, by firefighters in the Boston area. Um, I think some of them attended his son's uh, hockey game, even though, as I said, um, you know, the, the, they're from up in Manchester. Uh, just that area is really tight, and, and I know uh, uh, Captain uh, Des Rousseau is, uh, or De Rousseau is, uh, is glad of it. Of course, uh, you know, burns are significant, especially the ones that he's suffered, and uh, we wish him all the best uh, as he recovers. And uh, it, here's something else I want to talk about today, and this this has been on my mind, and I know it's on the mind of others as well. Uh, some friends of mine, in particular one good friend of mine, and his perception. And, you know, when you are uh, serving as a firefighter, uh, anywhere in the United States, um, you benefit from a great reputation from the whole service, from the service as a whole. Um, but you also have to deal with people, politicians especially, but everyone else too, who think they know what it's like to be a firefighter. They are absolutely convinced they know what, what goes on. It's, it's simple, really. All firefighters do, they get on the red truck, they make a little noise, and they squirt water, and that's it. And these same people believe that, you know, with, with EMS, all they do is just drive patients around. That's what they do. 
And law enforcement, it's easy. All you need is a gun and a badge, and people automatically respect you, and they, they follow the law. And all of these things are, of course, false. Uh, none of these things are true. Um, you know, and, and so there are a couple different ways that, that people try to, um, you know, look at things. And, and one of the best ways to me for, for a department, certainly for a IAFF local, whatever you want to do, uh, fire officers organization, fire chiefs organization, is to, to instruct the public. And specifically, uh, politicians. All right, we we have civilian masters, and and these are politicians who are elected by the people. It is totally unfair to think that any politician can learn everything they need to know about every position in city, county, state, or federal government. It just doesn't happen. Um, now. Uh, in my opinion, public safety is, is the first duty of governments to protect. And so I, I kind of believe that, that really good politicians, um, they learn the important things. They may not know what kind of vehicles you're driving, but they know that it's more than just going down the street and tooting a horn. Um, and, and one of the ways that, that fire departments and, and others have to have to get these points across, in my opinion, is by uh, putting together some formal uh, classes. Now, you can't call it a class. You could call it a civilian training academy or a weekend, you know, a weekend on fire or a weekend on the bus, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I don't care about any of that. You, you can figure that out. People are smart. But you have to, you have to pull these people aside and say, look, this is what we do. This is what it's like inside of a fire. Take them into a burn room. Take them. Um, you know, show them how you pump the engine. Put on a display and not some corny, off the wall, carnival atmosphere type, you know, display. I'm talking about show them what it's really like. Put a two-and-a-half or three-inch hose in their hands and ask them to stretch the line back. You know, I'm not telling you to put them on, on a ladder, but I've seen them on ladders. I've seen politicians go up ladders with hose over their shoulder. And I know I have heard out of with my own ears a politician say, Good grief, how in the hell do you do this? Those types of things begin to introduce the difficulties that face emergency services. And perhaps even more so, it's important to show them what it's like to do your job. Get them to buy in on a ride-along. Um, you know, because here's the bottom line. We expect professionalism, right? It's, it's what we do. We elect people. We expect them to know what's going on. But in reality, um, you know, it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And one of the difficulties, and it is a pain, I used to go to a ton of city, county, council meetings, to state legislature, uh, to listen. I've done this all over the place. One of the most difficult things to do is to sit and listen to a politician talk about the fire service or EMS or anything else. Principally because 
what they know of the fire service they've seen on TV, Squad 51 or Emergency, Backdraft, uh, Ladder, whatever. Uh, you can tell I'm not big on these movies because I think they, they actually don't do the fire service any favors when it comes to reality. But what has to be done in order to, uh, to get these people to understand what life is like is to show them the life. And that's a responsibility of everyone. It really is. It's difficult when you're going for a raise or, or you're trying to open a new station or you're trying to get across that your staffing is, is really poor. It's difficult to do it with words because they come in oftentimes with preconceived notions. Ah, these guys, they just drive around all day. You know, I see them sitting in a restaurant or they're always in the grocery store. And how hard can it be to sleep? You know, yeah, every once in a while they might get something, but is it really that bad? Well, again, it's difficult to combat that in a council meeting or in front of the state legislator, state legislature. It is easier to have an environment in which you control the setting to showcase to them exactly what's done. Now, when you are cross-trained to different duties, let's say that the year department and, and every firefighter has to, to switch over to EMS or EMS switches over to fire, whatever the case is, that's even more difficult because most people will look at you as one or the other. You know, we, there, there's a really small department in the area in which I used to live. They do public safety and firefighters are, are law enforcement, law enforcement are firefighters and, and they suck at it. And they suck at it because it's almost impossible to do. Um, still, uh, it's interesting in as much as their politicians look at them as either law enforcement or fire. Well, the case, you know, the same thing can be said for people who, who are cross-trained to, to either EMS or fire. Um, but if you have a fire department that also, you know, not that they have an EMS division, a lot of departments do that, but you have firefighters hopping back and forth, it can be even more difficult. And, and I still think the answer to that is, is a robust, uh, creating a robust environment of education and staying involved in it, not just four, five, six months before you need a new station or a new rig or, or pay raises or they've cut your insurance, whatever the case may be. It's important to stay involved to keep those relationships going throughout the year and year after year after year. It's really the secret, and it's, it's no secret, but it's the big secret about... Um, how you maintain good relations and you get what you need. And that's by creating these relationships and then constantly, constantly keeping them going with, with your politicians and, and people in the community. Don't forget business leaders. Sometimes those business leaders end up becoming politicians. And oftentimes in many communities, um, you know, business leaders can... Uh, they can walk politicians into a corner if they want. And so it's important to keep all those things uh, in mind. 
And it, it's also important to remember, and, and this is key, um, whenever you go on a call, you are representing what people see now and in the future. When somebody gets, gets arrested, you know, a firefighter gets arrested or, or a truck is rolled or, or anything happens where there's culpability on, on, the, on, on the part of the firefighter, EMT, law enforcement, whatever it is, that's not just happening then. It also happens later because people remember it. That's why you have to create as many positive images as you can. You get people, they sit around the station all day, they do nothing, they answer a couple of calls, and they've had an exhausting day. And we all know people like that. Um, they're their own worst enemies, and they're the worst enemies of the fire service, to be honest. They're the worst enemy of your fire department. Um, they're also the most prone to complain, right? They're not doing anything. they plenty of time to complain. Well, unfortunately, um, those people have an impact, but it's a negative one. That's why you got to have people to create the positive impacts with, with the public and, and certainly with people who control the purse strings. Failing everything, fa you know, you, you do all this and you try to get people to understand and, and they don't and, you know, years go by and you're still not getting budgeted items and, and then, well, now you come to a different conversation and, and it's one that's going to get ugly and it's going to involve uh, all kinds of... of uh, of uncomfortable uh, moments and uh, I'm not going to get into that today but you know look again some politicians understand what firefighters and law enforcement and EMS goes through go through but oftentimes those people they're still on the outside they don't really know they think they know because they get told things but they haven't experienced it themselves and I think what we need are politicians who understand their first duty. Their first duty is not to their own political career. Their first duty is not to embezzling funds or, or, or uh, you know, anything like that. Their first duty is to protect the public. And in order to protect the public uh, in a meaningful way, uh, you have to know what's going on as a politician. It's incumbent upon everyone else, firefighters, uh, EMS, to ensure that every single day there's an instructive moment. If a politician happens to stop by the station, it's a great opportunity to show them around. Um, you know, all those things come into play. And you have to have buy-in. That's also important. And uh, so, you know, oftentimes... People start thinking about these things when a problem is upon them. And unfortunately, uh, that's going to require a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of you know, ad-libbing and, and uh, it's, it's reactionary as opposed to being proactive when you can, uh, you know, to the best of, of your department's ability, uh, help control the narrative from the start. That way, when a problem does arise, everything's right there in front of you. And look, right now the economy has, has been booming. You know, it has. It's, it's been decent. We all know what happens, though. You know, 2008 wasn't a one-off thing. Um, four years later wasn't a one-off thing. And, and 
we're getting near that point now when when uh, the market's going to correct itself and and it's the law of average it's going to happen and so that's why it's important to make those relationships count early so that when 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 the difficult times get here people understand that it is a necessity to keep your people well funded the department funded and take care of your firefighters and EMS workers uh, salary insurance keep morale up so that people don't go running to a you know to different departments and to be blunt if you're around long enough you've seen it before and you'll see it again um, but there's lots of things that 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 go into creating a mess and anyone who's not doing anything has decided to partake in the creation of the mess. Um, those who are proactive and want to try to create something positive so they can establish these relationships, keep those relationships going. Um, they're the people that you need uh, on the forefront of, of these types of discussions and it has to happen. It does. Um, and, and oftentimes there are people, I said it the other day, they want to fight. They do. And there's a time for that. But you have to ask yourself, because there are going to be consequences. There are always consequences. You fight, you win a battle, you might lose the war. Uh, but it doesn't mean you sit back and just accept everything either. But it's important to remember, and this is vital, that if you're prepared ahead of time, you're ready for these things. It's easy to, to, to change lanes a little bit or slow down or speed up uh, because you're already on the interstate. But if you're trying to catch up when the problem arises, if that's the first time you realize, oh, man, we got to do something, um, and you're not out there on the interstate, well, you know, good luck. It's playing catch up, and oftentimes you lose when you play catch up. It's just the way it goes. I want to talk about something else um, in this exterior firefight. I read a great article the other day. Um, I, I proofread it uh, for a guy who is uh, uh, writing a, um, well, he's writing a book, and it's a book of his articles, and he asked me to read it. It was a great, great article. And I'm not going to go into, obviously, I can't go into detail on it, but one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was, was the discussion of, um, how, you know, in, the, in fire service history, uh, there have been people always wanting to transition to exterior-only attacks. And, and obviously, uh, and, and unfortunately, I should say, there are a lot of young firefighters now who are absolutely terrified of entering a house that happens to be on fire. Never mind that it might be not even a room in contents. They don't want to enter. And really, departments have no one to blame but themselves. And these types of departments, they're either not seeing anything. And so when they see one, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's a fire. What do we do? Somebody call the fire department. They look down and realize, crap, that's us. And, and so then, then the flailing and the you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth begin as they try to bring this giant uh, room and contents under control before it destroys four city blocks. But, you know, we have, in the history of the fire service, been, been looking at, at you know, uh, novel and, and unique ways to, to attack fires from the exterior so as to, to remove all the danger. And to be sure, we made great advances. Equipment's great now, I and mean, it is. You know, fire apparatus is the best it's ever been. Um, 
you know, high quality stuff, depending upon your manufacturer, but high quality stuff and pumps last longer than they ever have uh, in most cases. And uh, training, nobody can can gripe about the, the training unless the training's not realistic, i.e. It's, it's online or it's just through an academy and there's no, there's no scenario-based training, no hands-on training, then, then you got big problems. Um, but if you put all that together and you, you have a department that's not answering a lot of calls, you're going to have mistakes that are going to be made. And typically not just mis- not mistakes that can be overcome. But the idea of not putting anyone in danger is not new. Um, you, you know, you look back through the history, you go back through Fire Engineering Magazine, which has been around uh, for uh, good grief since the 1800s. Um, and you look through the history of that, and I mean, we've always been talking about it. Uh, but something that hasn't changed between the founding of the American Fire Service and today, and that's that you have people who have to go in harm's way. Uh, we're not quite to the point where we can trust Boston Dynamics robots to to uh, get in a rig and go and, and do a primary search and do all that. And Now, they're great at reports, I'm sure. Um, great, and I'm sure all the, the goobers who like doing reports and do all that kind of stuff, they're going to hate it because one day they'll be replaced by a robot, which is ironic because most people who love doing all the paperwork are robots themselves. Nonetheless, these will be cheaper robots. But... We've always been looking toward that, and there's nothing wrong with trying to figure out methods in which we can more effectively provide services to citizens. But we do kind of have to slow our roll when we go, you know, I want to be a firefighter, but I don't want to fight any fire. And so pretty much, I think I'm just not going to put myself in danger. That's not your decision. It, it really isn't. When you committed to join a fire department, um, you committed to put your life in danger. In fact, it's something you do every day. You get in your car. That's dangerous. You're married. That can be dangerous. Um, You fly on planes. That can be dangerous. Um, Eating can be dangerous. You could choke to death. The point is, is that danger is everywhere. And at no time in the fire service... Have we ever lived in, you know, there's never been a time like now when things are so geared toward protecting firefighters, which is positive. It's absolutely positive. What we can't lose is that edge that allows firefighters to do great things, to save a life, indeed to save property. Um, You know, you can't lose that edge. And thankfully, there are 80% of the departments out there, they don't ever have to worry about it. Because they're out there doing the job every day. They have decent to great leaders. They know what they're doing. They train young people well. Uh, they retain them. And uh, they, they revere experience. Then you have the others who don't train anyone, don't have any experience. And they, the leaders typically revere themselves. And those types of departments will always end up uh, having bad things happen to them. And that's unfortunate. But it's not hard to look at and go, it's going to happen there. Especially if you've been involved in the fire service for a while. It's not hard to look at a place and go, yeah, they're crap. And unfortunately, um, 
and this is the saddest thing to me, their citizens and firefighters are the ones that have to pay the price. It's typically never the leaders. And so there you go with that. But no, exterior firefighting, um, it has its place for sure, um, just as interior firefighting does. And uh, so there's nothing wrong with trying to look forward to a day when, you know, no one has to put their life on the line, um, as long as we don't think that that day is today because it's not. Um, that's why you, I love the saying, are you ready? Because literally things happen right now. And when they do, um, you're either ready or you're not. And you don't get many chances, right? Especially in some places. It's hard to make up for those mistakes when you're having 20 fires a year on your shift or 15 fires a year. You only get so many opportunities to, to make up and, and to wash out that bad taste of a mistake or mistakes. So, yeah, it's important to think about those types of things and it's important to look forward. But let's remember that uh, the fire service, the reason it enjoys the reputation it does is because of all the people who came and did the job well, who've served citizens over the years. Um, that's why uh, people today, right now, have the great reputation. And you try to pass it down so that the firefighters in the future have the same great reputation. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.